On this episode, Ann Arbor owns the Big Ten. Loyola Chicago, Lipscomb, and Rafford punch their tickets. Conference tournaments come to New York, and we are joined by Mike Quinn, the assistant men's basketball coach from Dartmouth Men's Basketball. Ian, you know what to do. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Welcome, everybody, to episode 19 of the Greenlight Podcast. Ian and Paul back at it. Man, heck of a weekend. Um, a lot of basketball. Michigan goes back-to-back like our boy Drizzy Drake. Um, it's Did January. You Did you expect that? Did you like Michigan to go like – well, first of all, last year they were like an 8-seed or a 9-seed, and they won it. This year they were a 5-seed, so you didn't even have the double bye. Like – Pretty it's impressive, man. January, February, beeline, baby. Everyone talks about, like, Izzo always turns it on in uh, in March. In March. Yeah. Honestly, like, this dude beeline's got it cooking. I don't, I mean, I did not expect it. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. I'm not shocked. Um, they're very, very good. What I am a little surprised about is how they dismantled Purdue. They did. Now, and I, as I say that, though, like, while we were, and you and I were texting about it, like, Purdue was just missing tons of shots. They like I, I, they couldn't stop anybody. I mean, Michigan was uh-huh. getting whatever they wanted. But if Purdue hits two, three more threes, it changes the whole dynamic of that game. So yeah. it, it wasn't as bad as it seemed, or you know, as it ended. But um, so the crazy thing for me was obviously they almost lost their first game to Iowa, uh, yeah. Michigan, and went into overtime. And the problem with that was Mo Wagner got in foul trouble early, had to sit. Um, and then they played John Teske a ton. They go like four or five minutes left in regulation, and Wagner fouls out. Wagner, Wagner, same thing. But <laughs> same thing. Um, but essentially, I said to my buddy who I was with, shout out Justin Mantor, and our listeners to the pod, I was like, you guys don't have any front court depth. I was no. like, what are you going to do against teams like Michigan State and Purdue? Yeah. I was like, if you guys get in foul trouble. And then you go, they play Michigan State the next game, oh. beat them. You go and play Purdue, and it's not a problem. Like, they really only have two bigs. Everyone else, I mean, like Duncan Robinson, like, they play small, and they play, like, Abdurrahman, and, and those guys, like, that's – they can go with them at, like, the four, just four guards and then the one big. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see what matchup they get in the tournament because they – for a team like Virginia, I think, could handle that well. For a team that, like – has bigs that they try, like Michigan State, they're trying their bigs are trying to defend on the outside, it can expose them. So the I thing, think they exploited some weaknesses in both of those teams. I, I think, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the thing that gets you far in the tournament, I, to me, the two biggest things are two things. One, you got to have really, really good guards. And I know yep. everyone says that, but it is true. You got to have really good guards. And then you have to be able to win different styles. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's where Virginia struggles. Yep. Virginia wins by one thing yep. mucking it up, slowing it down ruining your offense just possessions defensive like yeah and the the, and so if they face a team that you know 
they can't really impose their will on. Like Florida last year. They, yeah, like, like Florida they, imposed their will, and you so that was one of the ugliest basketball games I've ever seen. Yeah, you got to be um, able to like, all right, this this isn't working. We're going to go zone, or yeah. we're going to go 2-2-1, two, two, or yep. all right, we're going to push the pace in the second half. We're going to slow it down in the second half. You got to be able to adjust very, very quickly to whatever opponent you're seeing. And the other hard part, too, is a lot of these teams don't see each other. You know what I mean? You're, no. you're Now you're used to uh, seeing the same people in whatever conference you're in, and now all of a sudden you get out to LA and you're facing a team that you've never played before. It it doesn't lend well to teams that play one particular way. Yeah. Um, Crazy thing I, for this. Yeah, I, I think I'm more worried about uh, Michigan State than exactly, anybody. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So if you pull up their schedule right now, and someone came to me today at, at work and was like, dude, how is Michigan State not a two seed? Like, how are they not a two seed? And I asked them, I said, what are their, like, good wins? What are their, like, awesome, awesome wins? So you look at their schedule. November 26th, they beat North Carolina on neutral court. All right, congrats. Good win. It's a good win. If you look down, obviously they beat They They beat beat Notre Notre Dame Dame before Bonzi was hurt. At home. They beat Notre Dame before he was hurt, which, I yeah, that's That's a good win. But at the same time, like we said, that might not be a a tournament team. Yeah, which we're going to come back to later. I'll give them benefit of the doubt. They still beat them then. That's when it mattered. They beat them. That's a good win. The rest of the way, if you look, they didn't beat another. Nebraska. I mean, but that's not even. If it's not a tournament team, like they're on, they probably aren't going to get in the tournament at this point. And you look all the way down. You keep going. You keep going. They lost Ohio State. They lost to Michigan. Their next win over a shore tournament team was Purdue on February 10th at home. So you go from they only have two wins. Over but until then, man, they got the greatest schedule. They this have year. two wins over absolute tournament teams, and granted, those tournament teams are North Carolina and Purdue, which will be top four seeds. But everything else, it's like, dude, they're I think it was they're they're still two and four against the top fifty. So when obviously you look at the eye test, they're I think they're a two seed. You can look as a one seed. They're like they look they pop out as like they could be the most dominant team in college basketball. But when you're looking at resume wise, which it seems like. That's what the NCAA tournament committee is putting their stock into. It's almost like they lost. It's to the so f- hard because the Big Ten was just down. Yeah, lost and to Michigan tough. twice. Like, I think like, I don't want Virginia to match up with them by any means. They already uh, have our number to begin uh, with. But and I think they could they could easily win the national title. But when you look at the resume, it's like when you the only teams they've played the majority of the teams they've played that are Sherlock tournament teams: Duke, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan again. They've lost to. Yep. So yep. it's. it's yeah, I'm, wor- I'm worried about them. I'm worried. I'm worried. About uh, it's going to depend on their where they go, um, and we'll see. But Ann Arbor, man, they they own the Big Ten for two straight years. They so did. shout out to Coach Beeline um, and his donuts and all his crazy. I don't know if people know this, but he has they're his, fun to watch too. He man. has his own uh, basketball like literature. So normally um you would call like a he calls like down screens like donuts or like i'm, I'm not doing it justice if there's any michigan fans all who really know it, it's yeah. all his terminology and the only reason i know that is because at providence we had a, a coach that came from michigan to providence and he had the book of all the things and it's like insane normal really normal terms he just calls his own that's it's so crazy. crazy um but shout out to coach beeline he's unbelievable and his son yep coaches at lemoyne yep shout out to it's james Cormier, who went to lemoyne the last time lemoyne was on espn they beat syracuse if anybody remembers and wow. jimmy corms was there um his son's, so his son's, a, hot son name. His son's yeah. a hot name right now too yeah um that's awesome i think 
I read an article. Um, it was actually written by um, Stu Douglas. If you remember that played on, he was a graduate in 2012 from Michigan, shooting guard. He wrote an article about, tra- it was just about transfers and transferring basketball and how Michigan has had now two players recently, Dockich and um, uh, Spike Albrecht, transfer within the conference. And uh, it's like Dockich is obviously at Ohio State now. Um, Albrecht went to Purdue yeah. and he asked them, and this was just about basically like, is it an unfair advantage? Are these guys giving out like game plans? So first of all, like everyone knows what everyone's running. Yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. But, and those guys, they basically said, no one ever asked me for like a sky or anything because it's not the act of knowing it. It's just they, John Beeline, almost more than anybody has so many actions and counteractions to whatever the defense, and they're so well prepared and they have so many different options within that offense that like it's almost it's almost worthless. He's like honestly like I couldn't have told the coaching staff any more than they knew. Like everyone knows it, but they just have they execute it so yeah, well. They're, they're playing basketball, man. They're taking what you all right. You take this away, we can do this. And if I you take that away, we can do this. And I mean, every time, and obviously it's a cliche. I think oh, it's a well coached team. They play hard. Blah, blah blah. I think every time anyone brings up Michigan, so it's a well coached. They always say they're very well coached and done yeah. it. And um, I was, I, was, I was gonna say it was a little known fact, but I feel like now it's like almost overblown. John Beeline never been an assistant coach. Yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. like literally from like high school all the way through every level. Head coach runs it his way. He's done it the whole way. Um, couldn't beat the Bobcats in 2012, but shout out hey. to you, John Beeline. Shout out to That's you. That's when John you know Beeline. you're good when you just never have to be an assistant. Um, yeah. All right, let's run through the three, the four. We already did Michigan, but the uh, the three other teams that have punched their ticket: Loyola, Chicago, first time in the tournament Yo, since like 1985. It. Um, I'm I just going to run through them and then we'll come back. Yeah, so Loyola, watch- Chicago, uh, Lipscomb from the A-Sun, first time ever. Shout out to Corey, Casey Alexander, really, really good coach uh, for guys that don't know who he is. Um, he has, for the first time in Lipscomb's history, I think they've won 20 games like three years in a row, which is incredibly impressive. Um, and then, uh, man, crazy timing for us to get mm. this Liberty shirt um, shout out to Jacob Bear. Shout out to Jacob. Uh, Radford wins at the buzzer. It's March just starts to happen, man. It's it crazy, really does. Man. It starts to happen. That buzzer beater was unbelievable. Um, really, the play was blown up. He he didn't have anywhere to go, and then just hit him with the quick little hezzy pull up from <laughs> thirty five feet. It's tough and too, got him. Man. And for me too, as a Virginia guy, I was pulling hard for Liberty. Richie McKay, head coach, bunch of the staff members came from from the Virginia staff. Um, they're trending in the right direction. So I give Liberty props. They actually they took down UNC Asheville at UNC Asheville, who was the one seed to get to the championship game. A lot of like, upsets in these tournaments. For a lot the of seeds. upsets. A lot of upsets. Except the one going back now to Loyola Chicago, who has basically been so rock steady all year. They won at Florida beginning of December, um, which was awesome. So I think put a lot of teams on notice. Beat they're UNC twenty. Wilming. They're twenty eight and five. They went. Uh, they went. They finished regular season twenty-five and five, fifteen and three in the conference. And then their first two games were pretty close, and they beat Illinois State by sixteen uh, to win the Missouri Valley. Um, but they have a guy, this dude Cameron Crutwig. He's a freshman, six nine, two sixty. Absolutely, like six, awesome. Nine, two sixty. Fun, fun big man to watch. Um, they pass. I think they're. Pa- I looked up their passing numbers before. It's like they pass the ball probably as well as anybody in the country. Um, and spread you out. They have the eighth best effective field goal percentage in the country and 25th in um, defense effective field goal percentage. So obviously the 
competition isn't as good as a lot of these power teams, but that's a team that they're saying could they'll probably will be a 12 seed. They could even be an 11 seed. Mm. Uh, obviously, Missouri Valley. Missouri Valley is a solid. It's conference, a very good conference. Very solid conference, and you can't. And, and this team very pretty good. much like ran through it. Other than I mean, they've won what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten. Eight, nine, they've won ten, ten in a row. Ten in a row. Um, and then they had won like six, seven before that. Um, so they're going to be awesome. Much I like everyone always says the twelve five is the biggest like upset matchup. Yeah, I think always, yeah. this could be a very this could very well be one where if they match up with a team um, that maybe isn't trending in the right direction and they just aren't. It seems like they do everything pretty pretty well except offensive rebound. Um, yep. That's their only that's their big weakness. Um, but Lipscomb, as you mentioned before, you talk about the team. We we just mentioned getting hot and playing well at the right time. Ooh. They were five and four in the conference. At the beginning of February, start February 3rd, they lost to NJIT at home. And then they won Eight. five straight games and then swept three swept through the tournament three straight games in the I don't know if you the saw tournament. that. The and they, sw- they won every tournament game by double digits. Did you see the Gulf Coast game at all? I watched a little bit. Ooh, they were they, up they 33. Score? Up 33. Up 33, man. 35, 33. 35 it was something, something like, like that. that. And, and got a little too close for comfort. Yeah, Gulf Coast got it all the way down to like six, I wanted to say. At some point, I think it was like 85... 78 or 79 something like that um so i mean gulf coast looked first of all this game started off really really good like everybody was hitting shots i think it was it was like 15 15 whatever it was everyone was playing well and then matthews on can you confirm if that is right but i'm pretty sure garrison matthews garrison matthews this dude is a problem yep um he went off and he scored he can score anyway 33 points seven of 14 from three six of nine from the foul line yeah seven rebounds three assists like they were running all sorts of action for him so they were running staggers they were running cross screens to get him in the post he was scoring on uh smaller guards this kid, this kid can hoop. Now, obviously, this is a team that will probably be what, like a fifteen or a sixteen. They're not. I, would I don't think they're say a sixteen. They're probably gonna have to is, play the playing. What's their I record? Twenty three and nine. Yeah, they yeah, may have which to play is, the playing. Which game. is tough. They're like one hundred and sixty six in Kempom. If it wasn't for that, I would say a lot of teams, a lot of like casual fans, might latch onto him as an upset pick. They play the seventh quickest tempo in all of college basketball. So they run and gun. So that puts mm-hmm. that in the category. Obviously, like to compare it to like a team that people really would more, like Oklahoma plays the third quickest. Um, behind them, they're around like Marshall. Shout out um, to Coach Matt Wise, Wyoming. Wyoming, in the top 10. they play really quick. Other big team. I mean, there's not really a ton of teams that no. play as quickly. Auburn is in like top 25 in UNLV. that category. Florida State play really fast, but like I think they're gonna they're gonna try and rig out and run. And I obviously they're gonna have their incredibly tough matchup. Whoever they play first, maybe the playing game. Which hey, if they get in the playing game and they get another 16 seed, that could be awesome to watch. Just like yep. running gun style for Lipscomb. Um, and then last, obviously, we focused on Liberty losing, but shout out to Radford. Um, those guys, same thing. They won their last four games. They had lost three in a row um, and then won their last four regular. They were eight and six in the conference, then finished 12 and six, and then beat yeah, Longwood. Yeah, there's a theme here. People Longwood, are... Winthrop, Liberty. Um, it's crazy when you think about it. And for us, too, being involved in mid-major programs, Ugh. if you can be playing as well as the entire year, you can be as, as playing as well as possible and then it all comes down to basically each individual game of the tournament, or you could be absolutely miserable all year and have hiccups. Like 
I know when you were at Ohio, and yep. they were what the nine seed in the MAC, something we, like that. Yes. Like they struggled off and on. Still to this Ohio. day, it's the lowest seed to ever win the MAC tournament. They won. You guys won in overtime on the road in the yep. first round of the conference tournament, and then beat what like the four yeah, seed, so for, and the one so seed, and then it, all the yeah the highest the highest. And you had the talent there, and like four. it just as long as you're playing well at the right time. Anything it's all that, can happen. Yeah, it's all that Anything matters. Can I always people are always trying to argue like momentum doesn't exist, and I'm always it's usually like someone who like believes in sabermetrics and stats over like actual coaching and, and real life stuff. But momentum momentum is a huge thing, and you can it's actually much scarier when it's not on your side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go to that year. This was 2010. Um, I mean, they had a stretch. You guys had a stretch where you lost oh. four in a row. Kent, uh, two of them, Akron, Kent, Miami, Akron, Bowling, Miami Green. Bowling Green, holy the Mac East. You lost the whole Mac East. Mm-hmm. And even then, it was like win two, lose one. Win one, lose one. Win two, lose two. It was so back and forth. I mean, you finished the regular season 17 and 14 and 7 and 9, then ran through, beat Ball State, Kent State, Miami, Akron. The Ball all the State game was to. insane. And I'll then, never forget that one. And then ends up going and playing Georgetown with yep. like Greg Monroe in a 14 3 matchup and beating them. Yep. And so, like, anything can happen with these teams. If you're just playing good basketball at the right time, and you have talent, and you have guys that believe in it, and just get that mindset. It's like, hey, the same thing with our 2012 team. It was like those guys, fine, they had a really tough stretch. We lost at Toledo and at Eastern Michigan. It's like, you know what? We're just going to run through this. We were a four seed in that tournament. We knocked out Toledo, and then we knocked out the one seed was Buffalo, and had a hell of a battle with Akron. And like one shot, we basically missed one shot, or they Akron missed one shot that sent us to the tournament. They had an elbow jumper that rimmed out, um, mm. and that sent us to the tournament. And then we end up going to the Sweet 16 and losing in overtime in North Carolina. Oh. So, like, it's crazy. And I, obviously those are, like, personal stories from us. But it happens every year, man. Yep. Every, every single year. But um, got some more content for you guys after the interview. But before, um, before that, we are now joined uh, by Dartmouth assistant coach uh, Mike Quinn. Um, coach Quinn, we, uh, here we go. All right, we are now joined by Coach Mike Quinn from Dartmouth men's basketball. Coach, what is good, man? What's going on, fellas? I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, we appreciate, appreciate you taking you, the man. time. Um, so we'll get into it for the guys that uh, are listening and don't necessarily know who you are. Um, talk a little bit about your journey and and how you got here. Sure, sure. Uh, um, well, I actually, you know, I grew up in a basketball family and a basketball culture, so I was uh, I've been around it, you know, kind of my whole life. But my uh, I grew up on a prep school in Connecticut, St. Thomas More Prep School. Yep, very uh, famous. Which is a fairly well-known basketball uh, basketball school in the Northeast and really nationwide for, for kids who are looking to prep. So uh, and my father's been the head coach there now. This is his 40th year. So I, I was pretty fortunate to grow up around, you know, uh, uh, high-level basketball players my whole life and uh, tagging along to the gym with my older brother and older sister and then with my dad's team. So so I've grown up with hoops and watching his team and uh, I, um, played for him for one year as a postgraduate at St. Thomas More and we played, played with some pretty good players there. Uh, um, went on and uh, played college at Bentley University, a Division II school uh, right outside of Boston. And uh, we had some success there. And I played for Coach Lawson, who's a great coach. Um, and really, as, as, as my career was coming to an end in college, you know, watching what my dad did for all his players and the relationships he had and 
the relationship I had with Coach Loss, and I knew coaching was what I wanted to get into. So as I finished up my college career, I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to hop on a staff actually in the same league uh, um, uh, for a team, a school in the same league that I played in in college, Stonehill College. Okay. Uh, um, and we were actually uh, we were actually rivals uh, um, at the time, so it was uh, it was it was. A that's got to be weird. That's got to be tough. To the other side. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be tough. How uh, this is a random question, but how does your um, pops' spelling of his name come from? Is that a family spelling? Yeah, it's a family spelling. So Jeremiah is his actual name. So J. Wow, I didn't know that. I'll tell you what, though. I don't. I think people misspell it all the time. Oh yeah, all uh, the time. It's called Jur. So we have some fun <laughs> with him and call him Jur every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always wondered that, and I always just called him Coach Quinn. So I never messed up. Um, yeah. <laughs> that makes it easier. That makes it a little easier. So obviously now you know you uh, you landed at uh, Dartmouth as an assistant coach, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about how hard it is to rebuild, um, and, and how you guys got to kind of put in your culture and get your kids in and, and how hard that, that turnaround is. Sure. So we're, uh, uh, um, and the head coach who took over here is Dave McLaughlin. And he yeah. was actually the guy who hired me right out of college. He was at Stonehill college for okay. 10 years, uh, um, as the head coach there and brought his team to a couple final fours, had a ton of success as a head coach there moved on to Northeastern where I bounced around a little bit in between uh, and then linked back up with him. And, you know, uh, um, pretty much, and this is, this is what we tell recruits. Dartmouth has, is not a basketball powerhouse in the past. It's just, it's just a fact, you know, there's no hiding it. They, they've had some tough runs of it. Uh, um, but I wouldn't have jumped in with coach Mac uh, um, and he wouldn't have taken it if we didn't see, you know, what it could become. And the administration, they have a vision for where they want to take this program to. And we have a vision and it's a shared vision. And, you know, when you have that type of support from the administration um, and you've got a a competitive group like we do as a coaching staff, you know, it's just uh, it's just now it's a step by step process. Uh, um, You've got to get you've got to get players in. And, um, you know, you, you said it in kind of establishing that culture. And everybody talks about culture all the time. So yeah, it's a big buzzword. Great culture. We're going to have a culture. We're going to have a culture. <laughs> we're gonna, it's like, it all sounds great, but how do you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and we, we, we talk about it all the time. And we talk about it with our guys. Like, hey, we're going to talk about culture, but that's just actions. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you guys going to do to help build this culture with us? You know, because it can't just be the coaches preaching it or it never gets anywhere. So Coach Mack has a great, uh, you know, he always he always stresses that we're going to have a work culture. We're going to be a work team. Uh, um, and that means that we've got to put in the effort more than other teams right now. And in order for us to catch some of these teams that are above us in the Ivy League, you know, we've got to work a little bit harder, whether that's our players getting in the gym a little bit more on their own whether it's the coaching staff watching a little bit more film with the team or the coaching staff maybe getting out and trying to recruit a little bit harder. So that's how we're trying to build it, you know, year by year, step by step, is that work culture and, you know, to try to help, you know, help get there quicker is a lot of it is recruiting. You know, can we get the kids in that that can help us, you know, get to the next step pretty quickly here? So um, I'm always a little hard on ADs um, for a variety of reasons. But, sure. you know, you, you mentioned now, you know, you have support and that's um, that's half, more than half the battle. 
mm-hmm. my thing with ADs and, you know, everyone always says if you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, that's the definition of insanity. So <laughs> the definition of college basketball insanity is firing coaches after four or five years. Um, yeah. And we see it every year. Uh, coaches are there for four or five years. They made some improvements but didn't get to where they thought, uh, you know, where the AD wanted them to. And boom, they're fired and they bounce back on their feet. Why not, especially at a, a school like like a Dartmouth or a Fairfield or, you know, somewhere like, Maine. yeah, Maine now, Bob Walsh. Bob Walsh is an unbelievable coach, does not yeah. get enough credit in the world. One of the best ex, I learned so much from that guy and got sure. fired. Um, and so basically, and we'll jump into the Ivy too, but like why wouldn't an AD just commit to eight years? Just give a guy eight years and and just I know I'm crazy and I know some everyone's gonna be like you can't do that Paul you're not like that but but why give him only four or five it obviously doesn't work Paul let's do this when you become an AD you let me know because I want to come work for you <laughs> I'll get fired before I give out an eight year an eight year contract I'll work for you right away um, and I think you know I I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. Um, and I think probably the major issue, and it's a major issue, and I think it, it causes causes a lot of problems with college basketball is money. There's yep. just so much money involved with it now. Yep. Uh, um, you know, coaches are getting paid, head coaches at the, at the higher levels are getting paid so much. And now maybe this isn't the same case as a Dartmouth, but you know they want results quick because they're spending so much. Yeah. Uh, when when there's that much money involved, pressure pressure ramps up quickly. Uh, um, and as a, and our staff understands that, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 not something that you can you're going to win right away, but it is going to be a process. But it can't be a process that takes eight to ten years because it's just the the culture of college basketball right now. You're not going to have a job. Yeah. Uh, um, no, you're not. The pressures coming from the outside, whether it be alumni or uh, um, you know boosters, and they're the ones kind of paying a lot of the salaries uh, with with what they're giving. Uh, um, you know, I think I think money has a lot to do to do with that with that uh, kind of quick turnaround, as you say, for the four or five years. Now, you know, I think I think ads who, who have a good feel can see progress. And, you know, may say, hey, you know, we can see where this team's going. Even if they're not at their peak four years in, we can see the players that you brought in and see the progress you've made. Uh, um, and let's give you a couple more years because I, I know you guys are guys are working and you're going to make it happen. And that, that, that's our hope here at Dartmouth. And uh, um, like I said, the nice thing is, you know, we, we our uh, RAD, Harry Sheehy, he was a great basketball coach himself, uh, um, so he understands the game. And uh, yeah, that you know, he, helps. He's, he's the one who always talks about vision. So we're, we're trying to share his vision. Yeah. How different is the Ivy for, for the casual fan? They may not know, um, you know the differences between the Ivy League and every other conference. But um, you know, three things we talked about before uh, you know, we got on air, obviously, was no athletic scholarships, um, yep. the conference in-conference schedule um you guys play every friday and saturday and then just the recruiting like i think i think finally like my father was uh the um an assistant at harvard for about five years back in the 80s 
And, you know, he always talked about it was if you make a, uh, a decision, which I, and, and listen, this isn't speaking from knowledge. It's just speaking from the outside. So I certainly don't know that they did this, but it seems that Harvard made an internal decision to accept more kids that may not have normally got in, in the eighties and nineties. And now you see that they're that successful. So, I mean, backing all the way up to just kind of the differences between where you've been and the Ivy and what maybe people don't know, down to how hard it is to recruit kids to the Ivy League. Yeah, and uh, I think the recruiting piece is kind of the biggest biggest difference uh, um, and the biggest challenge. Uh, um, and actually, I think, you know, coming to the Ivy League, y- you know about it, but once you get in it and you're coaching it, you really see the, the challenges you face when it comes to recruiting because your pool is limited, you know, because you need your students need to be able to get through the admissions process at an Ivy League school. Uh, um, and, you know, we can walk into an AAU tournament and we can love three or four kids we're watching, but, you know, more than likely, maybe one of those four, maybe one of those six kids that you saw has the grades that are, you know, you can recruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and sometimes none of them. Yep. You know, it's it's... it's it's just not a sport, you know, you can't walk into an AU tournament and find a kid you like and just, you, you, you've kind of got to do your homework before. you gotta, you got to do a lot of work prior and say, okay, i got to f- find the high academic student. So it narrows, narrows your search, but at the same time, you know who you can recruit. Mm-hmm. So you can't walk into a gym and recruit 150 kids, you know, every kid at an AU tournament because it's just not an option. So, it, you know, it narrows down, you know, the the option, the amount of kids you can recruit. But at the same time, like I said, you, you know who you can recruit, and those are high academic kids who more than likely are going to have interest in a high academic school like an Ivy League school. So there's usually some mutual interest right away, right off the bat, which makes it which makes it easier in that sense, but you got to find harder to find. <laughs> yep. uh-huh. So that's, that's an interesting part, and it's a challenge, and it's, uh, you know, something – when you come into the Ivy League, you learn pretty quickly, and you're on the phone. You're calling on transcripts all day, you know, leading up to these AU tournaments, and uh, um, it can make it difficult. But it uh, it's the challenge we face every day in recruiting, and it's uh, uh, um, you know, it's, it's some coaches who I've bumped into who say, "Oh, you're in the Ivy League, man. If you can recruit in the Ivy League, finding those academic kids and not having scholarships, Oof. you're doing a pretty good job." Yeah, you can do anything. <laughs> Every you know that's that's the next step. Once we find the kids that have the grades, we get them. You know we know that we find out how they care. They they got the character they want, the type of kid we want, and they can play. Now I gotta you know explain to the parents that, um, yeah, I know you've got ten to fifteen other full scholarships. Yeah. Can you pay a little bit? <laughs> you mind paying to go to school as well? Yeah. Um, not to so mention that, 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 that that's the next step. Yeah, not to mention Princeton and Penn and Harvard oh, are all yeah. probably calling yep. the same kid. <laughs> yeah, not 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 to mention the other Ivies that we're, we're recruiting against every every day and you know, that's that's uh <laughs> it makes it difficult, but I tell you what, we've uh we've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed it since I've got here. We've uh you know, had our had one recruiting class that was ours, ours alone. And, you know, the nice thing is we didn't walk into a to a program that was a, a mess. You know, we walked into a program with some players here. It, it wasn't something that, you know, we're, we're, we're rebuilding, but we're not rebuilding from nothing. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, so we had some players here 
we've uh, we really liked our freshman class this year has some talent in it and some kids we think are going to be pretty good if they keep working and our incoming class we're, we're, we're wrapping up here pretty soon and you know we got you get high quality kids you know you get high quality kids who, who are focused they have to be to have the grades that they have you know to, in order to get into a school like Dartmouth you know we always say that there's only a very small percentage of kids that have the ability to play at the Division One level. You know, throughout the, the amount of kids playing high school basketball, the amount that can play at this level is a very small percentage. Yep. Out of that percentage, the amount that have the grades that can come here as well, you're talking a handful. Yeah, even smaller. Uh, um, so it's an it's elite company in you know the the academic and athletic sense. So we get usually pretty driven kids that are fun to work with. Definitely, uh-huh. definitely. And back it up. Yeah, you to, mentioned during yeah. the season we, we play Friday Saturday nights, which is uh, which is different. You know, again, the academic sense we try to miss as little, little school as possible throughout yeah. the season. So we'll travel Thursday night after after class. Uh, after our guys get out of class, we're wow. driving to wherever it may be. You know, Cornell, Columbia. So we play Cornell Friday night. We hop on the bus. We drive down to play. Uh, um, you know, drive down that night to New York City. Are you saying that you guys actually you guys have student athletes? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you guys got a student. Is that what is that that term that the NCAA makes uh, the reporters That's call the them? Term. That's the. Is that what that is? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that That's great. Cool. Yeah, they uh, they work, man. I give our kids a lot of credit. They they find a way to excel in both areas, and you know we've got kids who are in the gym on their own on top of it, and. Mm-hmm. They amaze me at times because I don't know I don't know how they have the time. They, yeah. they, they, they figure it out though. No, definitely, definitely. And backing it up from before you at Dartmouth, obviously um, you mentioned you had stops at at Fordham and and at George Mason. I mean, both in in the A10. Um, kind of two part question: Your thoughts on just the A10 as a conference and from your experiences there, and then secondly, what it's like to go from one team in the conference to another team in the conference, basically in in back to back years. Sure. Uh, um, I thought I loved the A-10 conference. It, it, so I'm a good. huge fan of it now, being out of it. Uh, um, you <laughs> know, when you're in it, you're just That's you're a good way to so put it. focused on it. But uh, um, it is a high, high-level basketball conference, and there are some really, really good teams in it. Uh, um, and I, I think uh, I think that show on Rhode Island's having a great year. St. Bonnie's having a great year. Uh, um, even George Mason, where I work, man, they, yeah. they have uh, – They've had their their one kid there. Ian Boyd had three three games in a row that he hit a buzzer beater with one yep. like less than two seconds to yep. win it. I, that's got to be some type of record. That's, I, it I has was watching to be. that as a as a basketball fan. You gotta love. It. Yeah, it's unreal. It's crazy, <laughs> and I I know uh, I I grew up in Virginia myself, so I, I'm very well aware of the history at, at George Mason and, and obviously uh, from coach Larinaga, even to coach Hewitt and, and now coach Paulson, yeah. um, they care. I mean, the fans there really care about basketball and, and yeah. um, I was at, at, um, you know, at Fordham. Um, we've talked uh, with guys before have been on, on staff there. Yep. How different of a dynamic is Fordham compared to some of the other, uh, other programs in the conference? Sure. Uh, um, yeah. So I worked with, uh, Coach Pecora, you know, yep. he brought me on, and he, he's a, he's been one of my mentors, you know, since coming out of college. He's always been very, very good to me, and a really one of the, one of the great guys in, in college basketball, I believe. And uh, um, 
it is different though because you are uh you know it's a city school and you're 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 right there in the bronx it's a beautiful school yeah um and rose hill gym i love yeah it's one of those old school feels you know it's got all the history in it it's it's a gym that you love but it's different you know it's different it's not it's not a uh it's not a big stadium like some of the big arena like some of the other schools yeah. have. They have all that space, and you know, again, it's 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 a different feel. It's a different type, um, and uh, um, you know, you just got to find the right kid. You got to find the right type of kid. Should Fordham go to the Patriot League? That's a great question, and you know, in part part of their part of their like football is in the Patriot League and has a ton of success. Uh, um, you know, I think I think that's 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 a question that's above my pay grade. <laughs> You're a smart man. You're a smart man. That's a president and AD. That's what, that's what they do. I'm a basketball coach. I show up. I love the game and I recruit. But um, they, uh, I think, you know, again, if you if you get the right the right kids in, and you get the right. You can have success. Um, it's just trying to find those right kids who, who are really going to buy in to what Fordham is about. Uh, um, yeah, if, if they could just get two to three like local kids to stay one yeah. year, and then and if they just showed some success, I mean, New York would rally around them. Man, New York basket. Yeah. I mean, they want just like St. John. Everyone wants St. John's to be good. Yeah, it's better yeah. when they're good. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you there. I you know the, the uh, one of our previous guests, Steve Trefoletti, had coached at Fordham for about four to five years, I believe. And, you know, he, he basically said he got asked that question one day, like, why are you guys in this league? You shouldn't be yes. in it. And he he didn't really have an answer. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, and I think he, he took the high road like you did, too, because he's, uh, he's a smart guy as well. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that it won't happen. Um, I think people are too prideful, and I think people look at it the wrong way. Um, if you see it from a different angle, and you said, "Look, we haven't, we're not winning in this league. Why not go down and and try and crush it?" Um, you know, and 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 one thing that we didn't mention either, like, is I mean, besides Davidson, is Fordham the best academic school? In the yeah, A10? Yeah, Fordham is one of the top academic schools in the A10. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that makes it even yeah. harder. Yeah, that, 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 that puts some constraints on it. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, one thing you said, which rings true from my year there, is, you know, when that does happen, when they do find success, that's that's going to blow up because yeah. New York City is such a uh, basketball-hungry area. You know, I, I love my time there, even though it was just a year. Uh, um you know, it was it was exciting to it was exciting to be there. It's exciting to be coaching. It's exciting to be part of basketball in New York City. And when that does, as as you guys said with St. John's this year, when they going on their run, it, it just it just explodes. Yeah. Did you uh, you live in the Bronx when you worked there? I actually lived uh, um, in Upper East Side. So oh, was, there was, you go. I was right on the corner. I was right in between Upper East Side and Harlem there, and I was I was nice. hopping the Ford train back and forth every day. Nice man. Oh, my nice. Goal. Well, we appreciate you you coming on, and obviously next time you are in New York, hit us up. We're, yep. We've got uh, we've got Queens and Brooklyn covered here, so um, like I said, we really appreciate you, you coming on and uh, and spending some time with us. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, absolutely. And I will uh, I'll be reaching out next time I'm in the area. Hey, man, come on down. We'll hang out. We'll go watch some games. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. It's a fun time of year right now. Absolutely, no man. I appreciate it, coach, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Coach Quinn for coming on. That was awesome. Uh, hopefully you learned something about the Ivies and uh, the fact that they do their homework and projects there. Uh, contrary to some other uh, institutions. Model student-athletes. Yes, yes. model student-athletes. Um, but really appreciate it, Mike. That was awesome. Uh, we'll have you on again uh, here soon. But we got our two teams to talk about, man. Yeah, we can. Your can't, BS uh, win and my we, real win. We can't We can't go to the episode without talking about basically what happened between our own teams this week. We cover them almost every other episode. But um, starting out with my Virginia Cavaliers, um, who honestly, like going in this week, every single person I, I got I was in touch with, I said I don't have a good you, feeling you about did this. Say it. I was you like I don't have a good it. feeling about this Louisville game. Like, and I wasn't worried. Like, I didn't care if they dropped it. Like, basically, Louisville it was their first home game since they took the banner down. It was senior night for Quinn Snyder from a mood for those guys. And like Virginia, the one thing it did have going, Virginia usually does match up and play Louisville very well. Um, but they lost like a heartbreaker at Louisville like the year before. They. Had, um, I, I, they they and they guard, they defend, and I, I knew Virginia would have his hands full. Um, essentially, if you didn't see Sports Center, if you didn't see, we're on Twitter and saw the highlights. Um, Virginia came back. They were down. Let's see, they were down. They were like four with. Like well, they a were minute. down. They were down the entire game to begin yeah. with, and then there was a few minutes left. They were down like twelve. They chipped away, chipped away. They come back. Um, two point game. And DeAndre Hunter gets called with a charge. You think, all right, it's over. They're going to get the ball, shoot free throws. Four-point game. Basically, they come down. Ty Jerome just dribbles, dribbles, hits a three, um, come back around. They lose the ball. But That's a good way to explain. It's dribbles, just dribbles, dribbles around, dribbles, just three. shoots it. it really but then, is. basically, um, how the game ended, they're down four um, with .9 seconds left. Yeah. .9 seconds left. Ty Jerome, well, it was four seconds. He dribbles the ball down the court, gets fouled with .9 seconds left, shooting a three. So, like, in that scenario, you have to – if you're David Padgett, you have to be telling just don't touch him, don't touch him, don't touch him. You can't lose anyway, but by fouling, um, essentially they foul Ty Jerome. He makes the first two free throws, and then they have to go miss one. Well, you miss it, and you hope for a tip-in. Virginia gets uh, a lane violation, so the ball automatically goes back .9 seconds. They're up two. Um... Louisville's up two and uh, has to inbound the ball. Tony Bennett, I don't know if you saw this, said to the refs, watch his feet. He may travel. Since it was a – that's how good since, this dude is. Since it was a um, – a, it was a spot throw-in because it was a lane violation, not a made basket oh, where he yeah, could yeah, run yeah, the baseline. Yeah. He said, yeah. watch his feet. He may travel. Yep. And Dangadell gets the ball, run, takes a couple steps, <laughs> and uh, they give the ball back to Virginia. <laughs> Virginia then gets the inbound. They're looking for a slip at the room with Isaiah Wilkins. Essentially just passed out like a last-ditch last effort to DeAndre Hunter, who we've talked about in the podcast, has been awesome this year, just won the ACC sixth man of the year. Um, basically just launches up. He was like – they asked him after the game. They said, do you think it was going in? And he said, uh, I knew it was going to hit the backboard, uh, but oh, I didn't know if it was going that's in. That's a good answer. And so uh, basically hits it. The saddest thing for me, which I felt bad for Louisville – he runs the other end of the court, and they dogpile him right in front of Louisville's bench, which was like insult to injury. Um, but you can't like literally right in I front know, of the bench. But, but um, what are you gonna do? Probably the most improbable win since obviously Virginia. They were down like thirteen to Wake Forest with like a minute fifteen to go a couple years ago, and they won that game. Um, similar type bank three, but absolutely. Unreal win. Um, I got. I got team of destiny. I got some. Uh, 
some UVA media hate to spew right now, which I just it. found out. Yeah. So the ACC awards came out. Marvin Bagley won Player yep. of the Year and Rookie of the Year. Let's go through these votes. Uh, Bagley gets 37. This is for Player of the Year. Bagley gets 37. And this is a Jer- mix of media and yes, mix uh, of media. coaches. So Jerome Robinson gets 14. Luke May gets 5. And Devin Hall gets 1. So there's a Virginia guy. Then, again, ro- this one is awful. This one's not even close. Rookie of the year was Marvin Bagley. 56 votes. One for DeAndre Hunter. Is that just spiteful of a coach or just some writer I that I don't to- know? Tony's not the type Tony's of guy not, to no, do that. No, he's not. So I don't think it's coming from him. It's it got to be funny? a media member or something. The thing I would say that's weird, but I actually have a problem, and, and I love Kyle Got to death. I think he's awesome. He's great for the program. I actually have a problem with the All-ACC team because Devin Hall ended up second team and Kyle Guy ended up first. If you look at the numbers – Kyle Guy is scoring two points more per game, but Devin Hall's two-point percentage is better. His three-point percentage is better. His free-throw percentage is better. He His assist rate is, like, through the roof, and he gets yep. it done on both ends of the floor. So I think if you're looking – I get, like, but, Kyle but Guy's de- – Wait, wait, wait. So – but Hunter got all uh, rookie team, right? Oh, no. Yeah, he got, he got thir- Wait, he got what? Hunter didn't make an all-ACC team. He was just six-man of the year and all-rookie team. Oh, okay. But I'm saying Kyle Guy – between Kyle, Kyle Guy making second. first and Devin Hall making second – um, I would have flip flopped those two. They're both. I think Devin just meaning so much more to this team from the, from both ends. He usually guards the best perimeter player. Um, Kyle's obviously made leaps defensively as well. Uh, but it was weird. It's like almost the media is like. I know they followed UVA, but I think if you really closely followed them, um, I think you'd probably put Devin Hall ahead of Kyle Guy, um, who has slumped a little bit. Yeah, off and on in three point shooting and, um, but. Someone they had to put Either someone way. from Virginia yeah, on first team, and obviously I'm glad Bagley. I, I wanted my boy Jerome Robinson from BC to win it, but Bagley I think deserves <laughs> it. Um, but those guys, um, shout to to them and Grayson almost made second team. Made yeah, he's a third team. He was too inconsistent. But hey, he showed up. Uh, he had a hell of a senior hey, night. Man. I mean, well, that had, game we watched it together. That it was game his was night. awesome. Um, Obviously, Duke down 10 at half, and the line was Duke by 7. Duke by 7, yeah. Duke by 7, so a little nerve-wracking You were half. nervous. I mean, I was Duke nervous. was winning the whole game. Listen, I thought they were going to make a run to come back. I was just They just weren't playing well. Um, and so that's that's always kind of, kind of alarming. But, dude, Marvin Bagley, listen, man, you can say whatever you want about these other players in the draft. Like, I, he's doing things that no one has ever done at Duke or in the ACC. Um the guy's averaging almost 30 points a game. That one possession, if you watch the Duke-UNC game, this guy drives baseline, goes for a layup, it misses, and it basically comes like right off back to him. And I think it was Theo Pinson who fell, so there was no one else to jump, and he jumped and got his own rebound off the backboard and tip-slammed it in. That's like video game stuff. Like You actually can't even do that in real life. So anyway, I mean, I'm sure you guys all watched it. We don't need to recap it. Um, heck of a game uh, for Duke and a, and a really good comeback. They're Enormous. starting to play really, that's, really well. That's the thing, and we've said this so many times. It's like, I think even it's mostly when they lose. I was like, they're still I think have the highest ceiling of anyone. Yeah, the um, ceiling is the roof. And I the think UNC it was grads. basically if they could just buy in and play some defense. Listen and click on offense. They're starting to do so. They're the only team in the top ten that's in the top ten in offense and defense. Efficiency. So, Only go, one. So that's the thing. They're playing a little bit of slower pace. Yes, because of the zone. Um, slows them up. They're playing a little bit slower. Um, but 
they have the talent to get it done on both ends. I think on the defensive end, it's a matter of, of, of kind of sticking to it and actually executing. But they, like we said, they could, if they just play, keep playing the way they're playing, they can beat every single team in the country. Um, and, and they could go to the final four. They could win the whole thing. If yes, they don't, I, I will if they be. don't, they could lose first round, which is, I think, the case for the majority of teams this year. Yeah. Um, All right, let's go to let's go to Coach K's protege, uh, Mike Bray at Notre Dame. The question that uh, was posed to us was, what should the committee do in terms of taking into the taking into account injuries? So obviously, Matt Farrell and Bonzi Colson missed tons of games this year. Um, Bonzi missed how, basically virtually the whole ACC season. Basically, what? How should that? effect i kind of lean towards hey man like tough shit like like what do you what do you want us to do like you lost the games i know you got a good kid sitting on the bench but we're supposed to keep a team that won more and played more out because you guys could potentially be good i i don't i don't know if that argument is fair i don't know i go so bad i go back and forth on this because Obviously, they were playing really well at the beginning of the season. They won the Maui Invitational. Um, they beat Wichita State in the championship. Um, they had actually, even with Bonzi, they did have a pretty bad loss to Ball State. They actually lost to Indiana. I think that might have been without Bonzi. Um, but then they went through a stretch where they lost seven in a row. Um, which is tough. I know Farrell was out, and there was a tough schedule. NC State, Duke, Clemson, Louisville, Virginia Tech, UNC, Georgia Tech. Um, that's tough. My thing is, I would rather... So, Bonzi came back. He played, like, 20 minutes against Pittsburgh um, on his senior night. And then came to Virginia and had 17-7 and seven in the first half against Virginia on Saturday. Yeah. And they played they Virginia absolutely tough until the end. And, and play, go into Charlottesville and play that well. My thing, from a personal standpoint, and I don't know, this isn't really going by how the, tur- the tournament committee um, chooses teams... I would much rather have Notre Dame team with Bonzi Colson, the way they're kind of playing now, and the way it, well, granted that they win a couple games the ACC tournament. I was just going to say they, they got to beat Pittsburgh. They got to win one more. They have to have twenty. They play wins. Pittsburgh first, and then they'll play Virginia Tech. They got to. I think tech. if they beat Virginia Tech, I oh, would God, rather. God, I don't want to play. Then I play would. Ra- I would rather have that team in than Arizona State. Wow, and, and that's a shot at Arizona State. And I'm sorry, Bobby Hurley, but like Arizona State's two wins that are basically getting them in the tournament was over Xavier on a neutral court. I think they're still in Arizona, but in November on yeah, November twenty fourth, and then at Kansas December tenth. Since then, the best team they've beaten, the best two teams they've beaten, Utah. are U- USC and UCLA. Utah's um, a good win. Utah getting in the tournament? No, but they're that's that's a, my thing. Is uh, like since oh, that, oh tournament since okay, since okay. they beat Kansas on the road. The only like fringe tournament team they've beaten are USC and UCLA, and they're certainly and not trending lost, the right direction. And they've lost right for now. the last five. Yeah. So for me, from a fan's perspective, I get obviously it's based on resume, and I harp on that because we said the same thing about Michigan State. A- Michigan State doesn't have the resume, um, but I would rather, as a fan, see a Notre Dame team that's say as long as they're playing well and they win a couple games, get in, rather than a team like Arizona State. Who is the ninth place team in the Pac-12? They're ninth in the Pac-12, which is nuts, bro. It's absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, I don't have a good uh, rebuttal for you. It's right now. it's like, it's interesting. Like I good like it's really tough that, that Bonzi went down like that. because He's an awesome, awesome player. I, we both said we think he's going to get it done at the next level as well. Yeah. Um, but right now, if you gave me an argument, um, 
and you said I, it's one thing to put blind resumes up against each other, but essentially, Arizona, blind resume one, season. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, ninth place team in the Pac-12. They finished behind. They finished behind like two full games behind Washington, who's not making the tournament. Nope. Oregon, who's not making the tournament. Stanford's not. Utah's not. And you get USC, UCLA, and Arizona. One of USC, UCLA is most likely going to make it. I've always been a uh, an. I don't know how to, I've always been on the side that you have to be at least 500 in conference. It's tough, man. Like, I don't, I don't, I know that's just like a stupid, like, just blind, like, okay, this is just something that we're putting here and you have to hit it. If you don't, you don't make it. I know that's not how this works, but to be sub 500 in conference is crazy. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Last, Last but not least. Yeah, we got story time. This for is you. something we've been wanting to, uh, to get out to the masses since it happened, because I can't believe I still can't believe it happened in front of our own eyes. So it was Iowa versus Rutgers? No, no, it was Iowa Illinois. All right, so first game of the Big Ten. Tournament. Yeah, first game of the Big Ten tournament. There was four people in the stands. General admission seating. We're sitting row. right behind. Uh, we're sitting right behind the Iowa bench. Right behind the Iowa bench. Um, so a story for another time. But there is some history on this podcast with Fran McCaffrey uh, and one of us. But two <laughs> two me. former two former managers here, so we we know how this works. We've certainly been yelled at before. Oh yeah, um, we've been crushed and and behind closed doors, uh, yelled at in front of coaches, players, the whole thing. We oh, get yeah. it. Um, there's no there's no problem there. Like if you mess up, you get yelled at. That's just how life goes. <laughs> so Fran McCaffrey, there's about second half. There was like a minute left. They yeah, were like not, they had the game in the bag basically. Yeah, the game was, it was pretty a minute much thirty, over. Um, or maybe it was like, maybe like three minutes because it was after the last media. I don't yeah. think they thought another full timeout was coming. Exactly. So we'll paint the scene. So um, a timeout's called, and there's always that like. If you have a bad ops guy, <laughs> yep. there's always that 10-second thing where, is it a fool's a 30? Is it a fool's a 30? Is it a fool? No one knows. So originally, the coaching staff, uh, the Iowa coaching staff walked out as if it was a 30. Then and they called it, I think. I, I don't know. I'm, I can't remember that. I but. don't know either. But basically, the timeout was called, and um, Fran was – he was either expecting it, and they didn't like – you know, because normally the coaches walk out, they talk with each other, and then they come back to the huddle. Um, so he was either expecting a full or whatever, but this guy turned and the seat was not, his seat was not his there. His seat and, and the fifth and, stool for the last player. So there yeah. are four stools sitting down and no chair for Fran or the fifth player in so, the game. So there was just utter confusion amongst the whole staff, whether or not it was a 30 or full, whether or not all the managers knew, because you know, like you get up right away, you put the chair down, like chair gang, man, like you got to be on top. Yep. This is a simple task. You got to crush it. So. The manager, I'm not. I we got to get him on the pot, but um, yeah, Iowa manager from the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, come on down. So we know you're listening. So Fran turns and yells. I, I mean, I don't know if I want to say everything he said. I know we swear on this podcast. Just what the yeah. I mean, he he literally turned so bright red and started berating, berating. The uh, it was either the GA or the manager. We can't tell, um, but was like, get the chair, get the chair, get the chair. What are you doing? He's going nuts, and you can hear everything. There are, like I said, there are legitimately two thousand people in Madison Square Garden, maybe, and he is going nuts on this manager. We listen, coach. (laughs) Coach McGavery has a reputation. Um, I've certainly experienced it. Um, I have no 
ill will against the guy, but he is known to have a temper, and he certainly showed it. I am uh, more on the Brad Stevens temperament <laughs> train. Um, calm, cool, collected, level-headed. My my that. whole thing with it was, too, is not only the, the freak out there, he gets so he gets in the huddle. They basically diagram like they're invalid, what they're going to do, sets the stage. And then as soon as they break, he immediately just gets right back up, stares this kid down, and just yells again. He's like, what are you thinking? Like, what? Are you? I don't even remember exactly what he said. But basically, I feel like it was the whole time he was even diagramming his play, he was still thinking about this kid didn't have his chair for him. And as soon as it was done, he's like, I'm going after this kid again. And obviously, the kid had to pick his chair up for him. Take the other stool, walk back, and he was shook. It's just he was very it's shook. It's just not that big a deal, um, man. Like it's just just relax, just bro. Just relax, man. I'll I'll never under I'll I'll just never understand it. Like the kid's probably nineteen. He's trying to Dude, do he's what in he's got to do. Madison Square Garden. Their team's about to win a game. They're gonna yeah, go like, the next day. They're gonna play like again. Don't like, get me wrong. I'm I'm all cool with you being like, yo, hey, bring the chair. Yeah, oh, Say the that, yeah. yo, bring the chair. I gotta see it. Like something where you're just you're just telling them to hurry yo, up. Yo, yo, let's go. Come yeah, on. Let's what, go. what are we doing? Yeah, like, something yo. like that. Cool. But, but to sit there and, and just mother after, dude. Like, like for what, dude? For what? And so we're obviously a team manager podcast here. Um, yeah, well, maybe we'll do like professional development with coaches on how to handle managers. Yeah, well, that's our that's our revenue stream. Their season's the over, so they can they can uh, they can work on this in the off season. They they finished fourteen and nineteen, so big week um, ahead. We we'll be at um, the ACC. Big East and ACC tournaments all throughout the week. Uh, so make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we will be live reporting all those games. So gonna be uh, gonna be a it's big gonna be week. Really fun. Barclays is uh, Barclays pop. Last thing before, while we're going back to Notre Dame, apparently they had open practice today. Mike Bray came in. Notre Dame brought in their own like boombox and speaker, and he was yelling, "Blast that Jay Z! Blast yes. that!" So um, Bray, it's awesome. Man. Like we love mentioned Mike before, Bray. it was weird having the Big Ten in, in New York. It actually kind of worked out well because like Rutgers, they got the Rutgers fan base excited a little bit. I'm glad it probably won't happen again. Yeah, um, I'm ACC, glad it won't this was their last time. But for me, as a bias, as as an ACC fan, oh, it's yeah, absolutely I, awesome I having it. it here. It's three stops um, up in G for us. Jay Wright is a proponent. It's Big East time. It's, it's Big, Big East, East territory. Time, uh, but this time, when we reach you guys next time, we'll have a bracket. We will. We will have wow, teams. Wow, that's for you. crazy. Isn't that wild? Yep. Uh, so we'll have a bracket. We might have to do a couple episodes yeah, next we week, might. basically like break, break down, down our our thoughts and uh, and go from there. But if you have anything you want us to cover. Hit us up. Um, until then, keep the ball bouncing. Deuces. Lately I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.